Hey, and welcome to episode 31 of the Gospel for Everyone podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Krismer. We're so glad you're here. Well, on this episode, Josh, Anthony, and I sit down and we discuss how to know if the gospel that we're preaching with our lives is that of Jesus and the power in sharing your own story. As always, if you've not yet gone back and listened to the message from Sunday, I do encourage you to pause now, go back and do that before continuing on in this episode, as it's going to help our conversation make a lot more sense to you. Well, without further ado, I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey guys, good morning. Good morning. Happy Monday, guys. It's uh, sunny and beautiful. Amen. No snow. Hey, stand by. Yes, we are. We have greatness in our midst. We do. So for the update, for those of you curious, after we talked last week, and thank you to those of you who came out. I know there were some others who I chatted with uh, this Sunday that said if they would have listened Tuesday morning, they would have been there. And so um, I really do appreciate it. It made uh, my son was super excited to see all the people in church. But anyways, so we did win. Um, Yeah. So if you didn't listen to last week's podcast, we talked a little bit about how Josh uh, and his, uh, what, eight, nine, 10 year old, uh, eight you basketball team was headed to the championship so last week was uh the final two games got a little there was a little bit of drama there was yeah so it was a double elimination tournament and we so we played a a team we'd already beat three times so that was for the championship so we were playing them again Uh, so the first game we got down by like 10 and i was like oh man this is not good we came out flat we just couldn't buy a basket Uh, brendan was there and we couldn't throw it in the ocean you know um and we rallied back and ended up only losing by two. Mm-hmm. And we hadn't lost wow. all year. Our kids are really upset. And I had to like give them the pep talk. You know, I was like, hey, good teams win. Great teams win after losses. Mm-hmm. So I told them, I said, do you want to be good or great? You know, <laughs> and they're like, nah, not a 10. They're like, what's this guy talking about? You know, and uh, so we came back and uh, blew the team out the second game. <laughs> played in an hour. Uh, uh, my son was kind of played angry. Yeah, <laughs> which was great. I was super proud of them, and they all did, man. It was so it was fun. Got again, man. It was just a fun time. So uh, we are the champs. We did win. Uh, we went eleven and one. Unfortunately, couldn't go. 11 Is that one loss? One loss in the championship. Yeah. Yep. So against that one team, we went four and one. So I feel like that speaks to. Yeah. Who's the good team, right? There we go. Yeah. Go. So it was fun, man. It was a blast. So again, it was uh it was cool. Everybody was there. It, it was fun to see like a bunch of people from the church show up after it being talked about on Tuesday yeah. morning. I love you guys. Um, you guys are you guys are awesome. I was I'm grateful to be a part of Quad City for sure. That was super fun. So the other last week podcast thing we need to follow up on. <laughs> at the end of the show last week, we were talking about just our favorite part of the Sunday, which was we had some baptisms. And we had four. Is that right? And right. then I just slip of the tongue said five. And then I made the joke like we were believing for five. And then actually on Monday morning, we came in and realized that David Washburn, our worship arts pastor, 
had the opportunity to baptize his two oldest daughters or two middle. Was it the two middles? Middle. 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 Two middles. So cool. Um, so we actually had six. So yeah. I just thought that was a fun follow-up and what a cool thing to be a part of with uh, with him and his family and uh, just the heart of his his two girls. Yeah, we were just sitting there talking. I don't remember what I was, we were talking about the baptism on the podcast, like in the office. Yeah. And I don't remember who it was. We were like, David's girls got baptized. And I was like, what? Yeah. So like he was like sitting in his office. I was like, bro, your daughter's got baptized. Like we got to celebrate with him. It was yeah. so cool, right? Like that's always a celebration for us. And so we got to chat about it. And yeah. He got to be there and do that. And so, man, just as a dad, the the excitement for him was, you know, really cool. Yeah, I love that. And that was, yeah, for sure, a really cool thing to be a part of. Just on Monday, again, none, none of us knew. So that was just kind of the funny thing. Like, wait, why aren't we talking about this? Yeah, because it happened in PV. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. it was in Prescott Valley. After it wasn't scheduled, he said he was sitting there with his daughters and they had been talking about it for a while. And Jason did the gospel presentation. Yeah. She looked over at her dad and said, I'm ready to get baptized. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Okay, <laughs> like it was, Let's you go. know, just the beauty of, of faith and that profession. And yeah, so he, <laughs> funny, he said, so his wife wasn't there because she was leading here mm-hmm. in Prescott. And he was like, do I just, oh no, I have to call her. I was like, oh yeah, bro. Yeah. Like if you didn't call her <laughs> and wait, oh, that would have not been good. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, and then, so lastly, as we're diving into, uh, uh, to this show now, um, Anthony's with us. So, yes, I am. Thanks for being here, man. <laughs> Absolutely. This is so cool. I'm honored. Thank you guys. Yeah. I get to talk into a cool microphone. Yep. This is great. There we go. Um, if you've met Anthony, then that's like <laughs> the, exact, uh, the exact reaction you should expect from him. So, oh. thanks for just nailing that. So hey, true. Uh, Jason's on uh, vacation for, for spring break this week. So, we're going to dive in. And Josh was preaching this past Sunday. Uh, before, though, we get into to the message from Sunday, Anthony, tell us a little bit um, about yourself. For those of us who don't know you as well, or maybe they're tuning in from the PV campus and have never met you because you're in Prescott all the time, uh, tell us a little of your story, uh, where you're from, where, where'd you come from, how long have you, have you been here, and how'd you end up at Quad City? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Been here about a year now, a little, little less than Josh. Um, I get to be the Associate Adult Ministries Pastor, so Josh and I get to get our hands on so many things. Um, I'm from... Shocker, Southern California. I know we got some good SoCal listeners. We don't have any California people oh, here. No, there's not. Maybe one. Exactly. I'm, I'm another refugee, I've, I've heard a lot of people say. But yeah, from SoCal, from our families, from a large church out there. and But it's just been such an incredible honor. To Which large church? Oh, man. Saddleback Church. Saddleback Church. America's we, church. America. But you grew up there. Yeah. It's, what a like, cool story. That's all you know. It is. Yeah. Totally. Yep, that yeah. was where our family came to know Jesus and yeah, where cool. we get to serve, where I met my wife, where I got baptized, talking about baptism, um, and how God even called me into ministry in the beginning. It was just a cool, cool, cool thing. But we knew he was calling us to something big, uh, someplace new, and opened the door here in, in Prescott at Quad City. Such a, a blessing. So it, Laura and I are just stoked. We got, we got a little guy, Milo. He's three and a half. Um, he's all toddler. Uh, I can't imagine the day to baptize him one day. That'll be a thing. It's so cool. Yeah, I love that. I got an email maybe like a year and a half ago or two years ago almost from Anthony just saying, hey, I'm a pastor in Southern California and we want to move to Prescott. Like we feel God calling us to Prescott. Uh, and about this time, it was it was before Josh was on the team. So I, you know, in this early on in the executive pastor role here at Quad City and 
uh, I'm just looking ahead and thinking, yeah, we're going to need people. So we started mm-hmm. chatting. We probably jumped on a few phone calls and quickly realized Anthony would be the, the perfect guy to, to serve our people. Um, so, you know, real uh, pastoral heart, great shepherd. Um, so, yes, stoked to have you on the team. And, uh, man, uh, just just super. I feel fortunate to have both guys like both of you. Again, over the last year and a half that both of you have joined the team. Uh, it's just been such a cool thing for me to be able to see and witness. Yeah, I got, it was cool. I got to interview Anthony before I was even really official, official. I mean, I knew I was coming, but I hadn't even moved out of here yet. And yeah. we jumped on a call. I was still in Richmond, Kentucky. And me and him jumped on a Zoom call and texted Brendan. I was like, yeah, man, I think he'd be a great fit for our team. Just trying to pastor people. Any of you who interact with Anthony on a daily basis, I'm sure you always feel cared for and you just do a great job of that. And so that's what we want to be, right? We always want to tell people and make people remember that pastor is a verb, not just a noun. Mm -hmm. And so Anthony, I think, lives that out really well. So definitely grateful for you uh, being on our team. Amen. Thank you guys. Yeah, it's it's an honor. I'm learning more and more every day. This is an awesome team. Yeah, love that. Well, hey, let's dive into Sunday's message. Let's talk a little bit. Josh, you were preaching this past (laughs) Sunday. Um, Back again, two times in three weeks. So thanks for that. Uh, this was the planned one, though, right? This it was, was. We've known about this for yeah, a little bit. Yeah, we've known bit. about this for a little bit. And um, this, it, it just kind of, and I'm sure Jason did this intentionally, but um, the text we were covering in the back end of Romans 10 kind of nailed uh, some of the things that you're most passionate about. And I, that showed on Sunday. I think you did a great mm-hmm. job communicating, um, right? This idea that we are all on mission. And in fact, it's like, um, you know, for followers of Jesus, it's not... I don't want to use the word easy, but I think maybe the word simple to understand our mission. Like we've got it, we've got it made when it comes to knowing what we're here for. <clears throat> like Christ has made that abundantly clear, not only in, in Matthew 28, not only in Acts 1 and Acts 2, but like all, all over the place, we are just so well aware if we're in our Bible at all of why we're here and what we're here to do. Um, so I think you did a great job communicating that out of the text in Romans that, that we are all on mission. Um, Anthony, as far as the message goes, you listened to it three times, just like I did. What are some of the things that stood out to you? That, that truly is Josh's heart. Um, and, and who send me, send us. Josh feels that. Josh has been sent. Josh has been called to do this. And it comes out in that message as you, as you tackle scripture and, and bring this about. That's you 100%. So that was awesome to hear. Um, I know you put time into this and uh, even even you had emotion in this message too from that video. Um, so it was just awesome to see. And you live this out. People come into our offices and, and you share with them the good news. You tell them what to do or even give them some next steps of, hey, <laughs> this is what you. This is who you need to talk to. And maybe it's a neighbor or it's a child. It's a, someone God's calling you to reach. So I, you, you do it on the day-to-day. So that was just awesome to see. Yeah, so a couple of questions around this idea of, right, you know, being compelled to, reach our neighbor, being compelled to bring this this gospel that we have, the good news that we have into the relationships in our lives. A couple of the, we've been talking a lot about this lately. You know, we did this whole making more thing and that was a big, you know, catalyst or really we had been talking about that for like a year up, leading up into it. Um, <clears throat> so this has been one of the, one of the couple of things that has been forefront in my mind and a lot of our team's minds is how do we help um, again, coming to the realization that the church, like the big C church, has not always done a great job 
um, of equipping people to do this well, especially people that aren't naturally gifted. Um, to your point, Josh, you had made a, a comment in the message that like there is this very real equipping by the Holy Spirit for some people to be preachers and teachers of the word of God. Like that, that is a very real gift of the spirit mm-hmm. in the same way as evangelism is for a lot of people, some people, a very real gift of the spirit. Like it is this natural gifting that some people just have. I, th- I don't know that we've done as the big C church a good job of taking those other people that aren't maybe naturally gifted and saying, hey, this is your responsibility also, right? Matthew 28 makes it clear that followers of Jesus all have this, they've been commissioned to do this thing, go make disciples. So for those of us who are less naturally gifted, um, you know, we've been talking a lot about what does it look like to really equip ourselves as the church to go out and do that well. And so again, it's just something for the last year or so I've been convicted about, specifically from the, the standpoint of how do we help equip our people to do that? Because the reality is, uh, and this is kind of the first question, um, right? The reality is we use this line a lot that, uh, and I think it was a part of our Discovering Quad City curriculum for a long time, is like, hey, what is a disciple of Jesus? Well, we're all disciples of something. Everyone on earth is being discipled by something or someone. We could be a disciple of a, uh, a coach that we look up to. If we're playing a sport, we can be discipled by uh, different aspects of culture. Maybe it's a musician. Maybe it's um, a president. Like we, we can be discipled. Very, we are discipled by all sorts of, sorts of different things. The same thought is true when it comes to evangelism. Like we are all evangelists of something. Mm. We could be evangelists of the brand of car that we drive or the type of food that we eat. For me, I'm a big proponent of, I think people should spend more time outside. So I consider myself an outdoors evangelist. Like I I think that's good for people to do. Um, So what happens if the thing that we're evangelizing is not Jesus? Like it's not the kingdom of God. It is not this first and foremost thing. It's also a question, maybe a little bit of idolatry as well, right? Mm-hmm. What what do we do and how can we recognize if the thing that we're pushing people towards isn't Jesus? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I think the tension, uh, just studying the text and knowing culture, uh, knowing our people. And Jason talked about this when we launched out uh, like December. <clears throat> just in Prescott, we think that, Everybody, and I was trying to drive to that tension. We think that everybody knows Jesus or is following Jesus, but the statistics were actually like mind boggling. Like it was under 40% of people who said they had faith. I don't remember what it was, but it was a crazy number that even I went, wow. And so, and he talked about how we've just conflated things or added things together. And what we think is Jesus may not actually be that. Um, and that, if I had more time in, in the message, we definitely would have tried to hit this more because I do think that is something, like there's sometimes even my own self, I begin to wonder why are people not actually listening? It's easy to say they're too far right or they're too far left or they're, they're this or they're that. That's why they don't want to listen. Um, but we have to do a better job of contextualizing in a way our culture and our in our community, and then go, man, how does what Jesus really talks about and really offers provide hope and provide uh, opportunities for them to experience the good news? Uh, I think that's where we don't do a good job sometimes is um, 
it, sometimes it feels like we're not actually talking about the same things that Jesus is talking about as Christians. Um, you know, we look at it and we think we are, and then and people are like, "Well, I don't, I don't want that." Like the the growing uh, nature of the nuns, as they're called, n o n e s, not nuns like Catholic nun, but the nuns of they claim no religious affiliation. It is massive now. And one of the things is that church and Jesus seems not relevant to their lives, which is crazy to me because it is so relevant to my life. Like all of my decisions and the way I parent, the way I try to be a husband, a friend, all that is based off of Christ and what I look and see what he did. And so we've done a really bad job of framing what following Jesus looks like. You know, a lot of times I think it's more, People know what we're against versus what we're for, right? I think that is a very deep, th- on both sides, like both sides of the, the issue uh, or the aisle are guilty of this. I can tell you what you're against more than I can tell you what you're for. And I'm like, man, we have good news. Like it's really good news. It changes people's lives. And so again, I think some of that is we assume they don't want to listen, but maybe the message we're saying isn't actually the message of Jesus and of scripture. It doesn't mean we back away and don't speak the truth, but I think there's just a disconnect there. I think we can slowly become like what we're being discipled by, the, the people we're being discipled by, the things, the, the news we're watching, the sports, the actors and actresses. And over time, we're going to want to be like that. So we're sitting here saying, Hey, everybody, let's be like Jesus. We've got to be. We're, we're called to be. Um, so, but then it's hard. So it, it looks attractive, and, it, and we've been doing it for a while, but it can be really hard, just like we've been talking about through all of Romans. There, there's a difficulty here. There's disciplines we got to put in place. Uh, but it's nuts to see how all of these nuns out here, these nuns, not Catholic nuns, but those that aren't even aware that they don't know Jesus. It, maybe they are, but they are— there is evidence that they are becoming like what they're listening to, what they're watching, the people they look up to. And it's, it's a shame. Yeah. The the reality I think too, is that, um, you know, culture, just about everything in our culture is wanting something from us. And what we have to offer is actually something for Mm, you. That's good. Um, and, And I think, you know, the church gets this, can very quickly get this backwards because we want to try to follow some cultural trends and norms that, are saying if we do these things, then we're gonna um, we're gonna captivate the attention of a person, and if we can just get their attention, right, which is like probably the hottest commodity. It's not any t- any more their money; it is their attention. Um, and if we can just grab their attention for this little bit of time, then maybe they'll see what they would gain by living a life surrendered to Jesus. Um, a, a couple of years ago, we did this exercise as a staff. Um, you know, we talk a lot about our one, right? We talk a lot about this idea. And I, I, actually, if, if you're listening to this today, I want you to walk through this exercise with me because uh, it was really, really powerful. And for me, we were sitting in a room with our elders at the time, this is two, uh, June of 2020, our elders and our, a lot of our staff at the time. And we just started walking through, um, right, a couple of questions that helped us get to this place of, hey, what's the vision for our ones, my personal, like our personal ones, if they come to know and love and follow and surrender to Jesus? Like we take these people that don't know Jesus right now, like today, 
And we walked through this series of, hey, what would their family look like if they knew and loved Jesus? Radically changed. In, in, three, in three, five, seven years, what, what do their kids look like if they know and follow and love Jesus? What, what does their marriage with their wife look like? What does their relationship with their parents look like? Like all of these all of these things, what, what does their relationship with their coworkers look like if they know and follow and love Jesus? Um, and it was so powerful for me because it was really the vision that we want for those people, but also, I mean, it's, it's the hope that Jesus wants for those people as well. It's the, the whole purpose of his gospel, right, is, is this hope. Um, and I think that's a lot of the times what we're missing. We look at the negatives. We don't look at the positives. And I think just taking a step back and saying, wait, what is it that we, we want for them? Um, not in like a health, wealth, prosperity gospel sense, right? That's not what I'm talking, like we're not all going to be richer because we love and follow Jesus. So, um, but what I am saying is like, when things are really, really dark, there is light still to where our culture says there's not as much. Uh, when things are hard, we know uh, why we can kind of figure that out a little bit and we can have the hope in, in Jesus um, right, never failing us and never forsaking us, the truths of his, his word, the reality that our God is a God of character and that he keeps his words and he keeps his promises and all of those things that we know and we can hold on to, like that's what we want for our one. Um, and there's just, there was something so powerful for me in that, like coming to that realization of, oh, it is more, less what I want from them and more what I want for them. Um, so. Yeah, and I just think, like, like I tried to say, like I'm not apologizing for wanting my friend who doesn't know Jesus to know Jesus. I got, that's the best thing for them. I really believe that. I really believe the best thing for anyone who doesn't know or have a relationship with Christ is to have a relationship with Christ. I think we're pretty honest about that doesn't make life easier. Um, in many ways, it makes it much more challenging. Uh, you have to lay down a lot of things and that kind of stuff, but we want people to know Jesus. And so I think that's the other a piece of it is, again, I think we assume a lot of the people that we know and hang out with are followers of Christ. And I, I don't know if that's actually the case. And maybe if it is, you need to broaden that circle a little bit and hang out with uh, people who don't know Christ um, and aren't really living uh, as submitted followers of Jesus. Because I know when I'm talking to um People in culture uh, are ones, man, like you just scratch the surface and you can hear pain. Like there is so much there, so much anxiety now, uh, so much uncertainty around so many things. And it is, it's palpable. Like you can feel it. And so that is what, like the urgency personally, that's what does it for me is when I'm having these conversations with people and I can just hear the brokenness of their families, of their marriages, of just all of the things. And Jesus is saying, hey, you actually, Josh, you have the thing to help. You, you have the gospel. You, you've got to share it with them. You actually have to, have to speak up here. And so, again, I just know personally, just for my life, just what Jesus has done again for me. And I go, I really think he could do that for others. But I have to be willing to want to share that. And that's the part I think for some of us is hopefully the conviction came of you just have to engage 
And when we do, here's the coolest thing. And I was talking to a couple of people at Pastor's Point about this. I'm not responsible to make things grow. I'm only responsible to plant water seeds. That's it. I don't know when they're going to grow. I don't know if it's directly my thing. Um, all God calls me to do is plant the seed and water the seed. That's it. He'll make it grow. And so that relieves me, honestly, just knowing that of like, it is not all on Josh ultimately. I have a responsibility to share it, but they have a responsibility to respond. And ultimately, God's going to do what God's going to do. But we do have a part to play in it, which is an honor, which is really cool. Yeah, I think that's so great. I think there's a piece to even this chunk in Romans where we're not asking all of our people to go to an unchurched people group in Brazil. That's, that's not going to happen. But I, and I, but I love that when, even when we talk about our one, we want, we want to live and we want to teach this and do this, but we want, we want to live in a way uh, where they see our life and they go, ah, there's something about that Josh guy. Ah, there's something about Brendan. There, there's something about them that, that I kind of want. They seem to have some hope. They seem to love their wife. Their wife seems to love them. Their kids have joy. I, I don't know. There's something in them. And, and, and that over time should just spark these conversations and invite uh, just hangout time that we believe as we fight to work on our one and love them, that that will break down some walls yeah. and bring them to know uh, Jesus and see Jesus in us. That's our prayer. Yeah, that's really good. So let's talk a little bit. I've got maybe two questions around this idea of, uh, you know, being equipped to do this well. The first is this, um, who am I to share this news when my marriage isn't what I want it to be? or when my kids aren't, you know, loving Jesus the way that I want them to for our, our uh, empty nesters with kids out of the house. Who am I to share the gospel when my kids maybe don't believe it or they've walked away from faith or, uh, or my family isn't, isn't as engaged in church as I would like to be. There's a lot of shame, right. That can be um, built up around this idea of like, gosh, imposter syndrome, maybe a little bit. Who am I uh, to bring people to Christ? If, you know, based on, on my own life. How do we get through that piece? I think a huge arm of evangelism is, is our story, even pieces of our story. And in our story that we share with others, we can break down barriers, break down some discomfort. Um, and especially when we're humble and we say, hey, you know, I don't have it all together. I did mess up and I did do that. Um, I, was, I was upset at my wife, but this is how we handled it. This is what we did. Or this is what we did back in the day when, when we would have these uh, arguments or these conversations. That's even a little piece of our story. And that just can comfort people, I think, that they go, oh, okay. They could be like me. They're human too. They follow Jesus, but they're human too. Uh, maybe I can work to achieve some of that as well. Yeah, I would just say, I mean, thinking through Paul, right? He doesn't ever shy away from who he was before Jesus. And so he just shares that pretty openly. Um, and he says he's the worst of sinners. At the end, he even says, man, I, I, I don't deserve this. And so the honesty that you see from him, I think of Peter, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, like this is the guy who perpetually blew it. But he's the guy who stands up and Jesus redeems and uses. And in every gospel is the denial of Peter. Yeah. All four gospels have that story. If anything, you would think like, oh, don't, I wouldn't want that in there. But it was the thing that he, he could speak 
speak to to give people hope. And so I think as we, exactly what Anthony said, I think as we get to know people and as we're friends with them and they get to hear where we have messed up, yeah. but how, how the gospel has redeemed us, how if we do have kids who aren't following, and maybe it was because we were lukewarm or cultural Christians and we weren't actually following and living how we were supposed to or doing how we are now, we can speak to that regret that we have mm-hmm. of the things, man, I didn't do that right. I mean, some of the most uh, powerful things for me is marriages when um, that are restored and redeemed. And I hear that. Um, one of our first churches, there was a couple that we knew and they had an affair uh, the husband did, and the wife, uh, like the husband was just ready to leave. And the wife was like, no, we follow Jesus and we believe in restoration. Yeah. And to be on the outside, I was pretty young. Uh, I don't even know if I was, yeah, Diana and I were just married. But to see that we really believe Jesus is powerful enough to bring that lifeless marriage back to life. It's the picture that I keep. So even when I go, man, I don't know if it's able to be resurrected. I've seen it actually happen. And they share that story and they shared it with us and they're really open and honest. And again, so nothing necessarily, I don't think disqualifies us from sharing one-on-one with stories, right? Obviously, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of other questions when we get to platforms, that kind of stuff. But yeah, I I do think, I think we just got to be honest with it because I think that's what people want to know. Like we assume they want to know like the biblical uh, you know, like Jason talked about, who are the Bible nerds? Hey, there's not a lot of Bible nerds. Yeah. They actually want to know what does Jesus do for me personally? Mm-hmm. And the only way I can speak to that is to tell you what he's done for me in my life. And a lot of that is owning the regrets and the mistakes and the, the mess ups and to see how God has redeemed those and used those for the good. Yep. Here, here's the reality. There's already a perception if you're talking to someone that's not a follower of Jesus, they know followers of Jesus. They know all about, (laughs) they've been told all about what it looks like uh, to follow Jesus and the things you do and the things you don't do, especially they don't, you know, what they don't know though is your story. So to Anthony's point is like the, the humility and authenticity of story when it comes to like, that's what I read in this. When I read, preaching is like this idea of how is how does your own relationship with Jesus how is your own story and again there is this gift of public teaching and preaching and I'm not discrediting that by any means but when it comes to this personal relational evangelism thing that we're talking about it is so much about how do you uh share your story because it is compelling like if you're a follower of Jesus your story is compelling you were dead you're now alive yep at the end of the day that's your story even people who are like well I don't have that like oh, I wasn't like crazy, you know, strung out. Like, no, man, you still. You were dead. Yes. You're now alive. Yes. You are reborn and you're a new creation in in Christ Jesus. Like that's what the scripture teaches. And I think it's huge that in that moment, we can point to reconciliation, forgiveness, humility, that those, those humble me, those humble people. And, And when they hear those aspects in our story, they can think of their own story, their own walk. And, and, and it might even lead them to think of, the bad Christians they, they know and have met, the ones mm-hmm. that are kind of ugly, but then hopefully they think of some good ones. Yeah, so then the other piece to your point about Peter, Josh, I love, I, I love Peter. Gosh, I love Peter. It gives me so much hope. Uh, you know, just this, and the fact that Jesus was like, hey, I'm going to build my church on you, by the way. Mm. Like, the, the, I just love the story of Peter. I love when he's reinstated. 
I love the questions Jesus asks him, right? Do you love me? Yes, yes, Lord, I do. Um, <coughs> there's this D.L. Moody quote that is always pretty sobering and humbling for me. Um, he says something along the lines of, like, you may become too big for God to use, but you'll never be too small, mm. right? Like, we may grow arrogant. We may become a little bit too big for our britches, um, but no matter where you are, you're not too small. Um, so I, you know, it's just a good reminder for me <coughs> that like, yeah, even when I fail, even in the midst of my failures, we serve a redemptive God and he can use that, uh, for the good of those who love him. So, and let me just say as somebody who did not grow up in faith, the stories of people who mom and dad were believers and now you're a believer. It gives me so much hope that it is, it can work that my kids can only know a life of Jesus and that they could still be following Jesus when I'm, when they're in their thirties and forties and fifties. I know that's your story. You have parents who were faithful believers and took you to church. And now here you are faithfully believing. It doesn't mean you didn't have problems, but like for me as someone who didn't grow up in church, like that's some of the questions that I would ask people. It's like, just tell me it's worth it. And they would go, oh, honey, it's worth it. I had a sweet old lady. Oh, honey, it's so worth following Jesus your whole life. Okay, I can do that. Hey, tell me giving, sacrificing financially is worth it. Oh, it's so worth it. God is so good. And those were the things I needed as somebody who had not grown up in faith. And so again, I know we all love the miraculous stories. And I, for for sure, like the, how God takes people in situations that seems crazy, those ones who are so far gone. But I also love the stories of just faithfully doing what God has called and seeing how that blesses your families. That's what I love. There is just as much redemptive beauty in that as there is the addict that loves Jesus and the, what again, those crazy, you know, turnaround, the Paul on the road to Damascus story. Um, And I, you know, I think that probably we can do a better job of platforming those stories and sharing those stories in a way that are just a testament to, of faith. And we need that. Yeah. We So again, you're hearing like, oh, I have to have something crazy in my story. And really, I think when we all start looking at our story, we see things and we know things, but yeah, for sure. Like, so don't discount yourself to go, oh, I don't have that. Like I was dead in the gutter and God, right. a light hit me and now I'm alive. Those are, don't get me wrong. Those are great, Incredible. but it, this isn't Hollywood all the time. Yeah. Like sometimes it is just put one feet in front of the other and you've done that for 50, 60, 70 years. I, for someone again, who just is looking at, I go, that to me is incredible. Cause I don't know how easy it is to quit. Yeah. Right. Of course. So let's get maybe a little practical just quickly here. A big part of this, uh, making more thing that we did just to, you know, we just ended it a couple of weeks ago. Um, using this content from a book called Bless. It's these five principles um, uh, around relational evangelism. One of them is share your story. It's a big, it's a big one. Like that's a big deal. How do we then, for those of us who like, haven't really spent the time thinking about our story. Like if we were to have to tell it, it would take us a minute to figure it out and say, hey, what, what is my story? Where are the ways that God's shown up in my life? Like how do we help craft in a in an authentic way? Like how do we help communicate our story? Right? There's this idea of the elevator pitch. It's like when someone asks you about what you do, what's your elevator pitch? If you're a salesman, like how do you sell some whatever you're selling? How do you sell your widget to someone in 30 seconds? And that's an oversimplification of what we're trying to do with being able to share our story. But how do we kind of craft a compelling narrative when it comes to the way that we've all seen Jesus work in our lives? 
um, so that we can then use that, right? Do what God's calling us to do and share that story with others. I think the first thing is to remember this is done in relationship and these are not one-time transactions. And so I was talking to a lady yesterday and I was telling her, your whole story is not going to come out every single time you eat around the table. (laughs) It's going to be pieces. And what we have to do is the whole, all the other parts. So we're praying for the opportunity and then we're listening to the Holy Spirit, but we're also listening to that person because I'm trying to connect the dots for them of when they say something, how have I seen God work in my life? And some of that is, um, I trust that when Jesus said, don't worry about what you need to say in those moments, I will be with you and give you the words. I'm trusting in that. He says that in Mark's gospel. And then we see that in the book of Acts. But other times I am, I am thinking about it. I am listening to Brendan share a story. And then I go, oh man, he said this thing. I'm going to, and even if it's I'm going home and I'm starting to ask, okay, God, how can I connect with that? How can I actually know that? Because it, I don't need to share zero to 39 with somebody in one sitting, right? Like, what are the highlights? I think that's some of it. Like, what are the lows? What are the highs? Where have you seen God work? How have you seen God redeem your story? And I think some of it is just writing it out. Um, we're starting those discipleship groups and that's a part of it, uh, sharing your spiritual autobiographies. And it, I, it's broken down in decades for people because some people, they don't naturally share their story. So some of it is just you going and looking back. It's the, it's the Israelites on the Jordan, Hey, put the rocks up so that in generations, when they ask you, what do these mean? You can tell them. And so how do we do that in our lives? Maybe how do we know moments, key moments that I can always go to that help tie into suffering for people, right? How, you know, if somebody is feeling anxious, oh, I can, man, I have this moment in my life. If, if there is this thing. So I I have this bank maybe of stories. I think it's just, literally doing the work and, and looking back. And man, if yeah. you got to write it down, write it down. If yeah. you need to practice, get a believing friend and yeah. go, hey, I'm going to practice with you and just get comfortable sharing it. I mm-hmm. think that's a part of it too. We don't feel confident maybe. And yeah. So I think we just need to share that. And I think something we can do is not have people over or bring somebody into our life with only the thought of, I am just going to share my story. Let's sit down. Let's sit down and just do story. No, just have them over, just do dinner. Let that be the plan. Yeah, And yeah. Let, let the story just trickle its way in. Someone brought up a heavy topic. Maybe it was marriage. Maybe it was brokenness or a sin they just commit. And, and then there's a way we can sneak in a piece of how God redeemed us, how we yeah. found some hope. That is a really good note too, Josh. We all have, similar to the Israelites, we all have these big piles of rocks in our life, yeah. like all over the place. Um, and for generations to come, we will walk by those piles of rocks and we will remember what Jesus did to us, for us, in us, in those moments, the way the Holy Spirit worked through us in those moments. Um, and being able to sit back and remember and just share a prayer of thanksgiving around those things, like that is really powerful. I, I went through recently... Um, and, uh, as a part of a, a counseling thing I was doing, it was, Hey, just write out your whole story. And I was like, ah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> no, I don't want to sit down. <laughs> yeah. Fine. Okay, fine. Uh, and it was really powerful. Right. And it was just yeah. like bullet points. I'm a bullet point guy. It's going to be the bullet points. Yeah. And again, when I got to the bottom of the thing, um, and it all, obviously it helps working that out with someone else, whether it's a pastor or a close friend yeah. or a counselor, whoever, like being able to talk through your story, like other people will hear things in your story that you don't recognize as powerful. 
Um, yeah. So that it, there is something to that piece. Discipleship groups again, it's a great place for that sort of thing to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry. Did you have Did you have more bad than good? We can tend to do that. Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I just keep thinking through our story, and and I love when we can add in the good and not just the bad. Not sure. just talk about here are the sin patterns, or here's what messed everybody up, and but here's the pray. Here's what's praiseworthy. Here's what our family did do. Here's what I did. Here's where where I saw. God work and redeem me. Well, yeah, I think the good is just like the outcome. It's like, gosh, even in the midst of all this stuff, like somehow my marriage is still together and my son loves me. And there's all of this stuff that is a testament to the power of God in my life throughout the course of the last 29 years. So, And it's all about relationship. Like this, we cannot overstate this enough. Mm -hmm. You have got to be in relationships with people you have got to be hanging out with people. You got to know people, like really know people. And people really have to know you. And in that, God will do what God is going to do. Mm-hmm. And again, remember, your job is not to make that seed grow. You, it may be 10 years, and maybe you get a phone call and goes, hey, I just want you to know I gave my life to Jesus. Mm. And you celebrate with them. And you we're frustrated and go, why would they not do that in this moment? But that's our hope that we just keep doing what we're called to do. We take the moments we're supposed to take them. And again, every time, so as a pastor, I think we have an incredible honor to hear a lot of people's story. Mm -hmm. And every time I do, I always remind people, thank you, because you just helped me in my faith. When I hear people speak through their struggles or their difficulties and they share the hope or how they've seen God work, it reminds me of how good God is, but also how much I do need other people. Or I get in this echo chamber of it's only this way. And their story reminds me of that piece of God's character and that piece of God's character. And so yeah, every time we do that, and so that's the hope. Right. And so we keep doing that. And so again, anytime you've, if, if you're listening, you've shared a piece of your story with me, even just a small piece, I need you to know, man, it has blessed me in such a way. And it has reminded me of how good our God is. And so that's what we're trying to bring to those who haven't experienced that yet. Because in the house, in the world outside, we're only hearing negatives. We are only, it's so easy to focus on the negative. So yeah, you're right. There is some redemptive beauty in going, oh, yeah. You made it through. And people want to be listened to. This world, people are craving for, yes, attention, but just someone <coughs> slowed down enough to hear them and acknowledge their story and to say, oh, wow, thanks for telling me that. That must, be, that must have been hard. Or mm-hmm. thanks for telling me that. That was, God, God did something big in your, in your life or in your family's life. And they just, they're opened up to that. They're, I would say humbled, but also excited. Wow, this person listened to me. It doesn't happen at the grocery store. It doesn't happen at work. It doesn't happen even around that dinner table. So it can be, it's rare. Yeah, that's really good. Again, just the final reminder here is just, hey, your, your story is powerful. If you're a follower of Jesus, regardless of what that journey looks like, it's powerful. It's death to life. It is, it is a new beginning. Like it is a, uh, a gift that you've been given and we've all been, mm-hmm. been given. Um, and we need to be praying for opportunities to share that story. And just remember, just like the Israelites, they had their chances to believe and to listen and to repent. Um, and they didn't, but that didn't stop Paul from continuing to tell them. Yeah. And so even if people aren't engaging or don't feel like they're listening, you still just keep 
doing it and you keep sharing and you, because that's ultimately what our call is, right? Our call is to just keep going and keep being his witness. And we want to, we want to always push to that as a church. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I love that we make it really simple and really practical just with the one. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's super narrow and all of us have somebody hopefully in our life that we are doing this with. And so we think it's a really big deal here. Yep. So we're going to talk about it a lot. Yep. Hopefully you're like, oh, they're talking about it. Good. We want you to be like, oh yeah, I got my person. I want, I got my person. Yep. And hopefully you're asking one another, how's it going? How's it going yeah. with your one? Yeah. How's it going, Anthony? And yeah. he can, Anthony can tell me, and he can also lament the struggle. Yeah. Oh man, I'm really having a difficult time. And we can lift one another up and carry one another's burdens in this and be in community trying to go and seek lost people mm-hmm. to bring them to Jesus, which is such a, just again, I, an incredible honor that we get to do that. Yep. And I just want to encourage all our people as they share the gospel even or their story. Hey, Paul says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring that good news? Hey, you might need to hear this today. You're beautiful. Keep going. <laughs> Thanks, Anthony. You know, maybe that's why I'm here. <laughs> to tell somebody they're beautiful. <laughs> uh, so good. All right. Hey, guys. Thanks for uh, joining us. We'll talk again real soon. All right. Well, that is a wrap on episode 31 of the Gospel for Everyone podcast. We're so grateful that you would share in this time with us and follow us all the way to the end. As always, if you have any questions or comments about Sunday's message, we hope you join us at quadcity.church slash Romans, where you can submit those questions to be answered right here on the show. We're excited to keep moving forward in this series we're doing through the book of Romans, and we can't wait to see you again very soon.